BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good morning, Tam Tam. How you doing, girl? Oh my God. It's an early one today. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's even earlier because our family has been up since 3.30 this morning because you know that when you change up your plans, your kids forget to sleep. <laughs> oh, of course, because why get a full night's sleep, right? That would just be too easy. So Lennon's been up at um, 3.30 for the last three days straight. And then I said to Sean, I was like, you know what? We really have to make sure that her schedule's on track because, you know, kids like really need a schedule. And so what happened was we're like, okay, cool. Put her down at seven o'clock here, which is six o'clock your time and Pacific <laughs> Standard Time. And so we put her down and then Phoenix fucking got up at three o'clock going, I have growing pains. So she was up from three o'clock oh. and that's why you should only have one kid. <laughs> Okay, so basically you're saying I'm on the right track. Yes, you are the smartest person I know because now I'm like, when it's not freaking one, it's the other. So I can't even imagine people with six kids. Like you're never sleeping. Yeah, you're never sleeping. Like like some of the guests we've had on that have like multiple, like that many kids. I mean, it's literally like when you put, I mean, you just don't have time. Like, how do you do it? But I, mad respect to those to those parents, you know. Yeah, and our next guest is pregnant. She she's someone that I met actually. Um, I think we met in those two trips. I, we met in New York City. We did um, like this campaign where ambassadors for a company, and I found out that she had the same birthday as me. And I've never met someone with the same birthday as me. So I was like, okay, I need you to be in my life. And. <laughs> A digital creator, a travel enthusiast, a yoga teacher. She created Limitless, not Limitless, Limitless, because it's Leslie, so smart. <laughs> which are these trips that, um, you know, for escapes for those looking for movement and purpose and adventure and um, change for the greater good. She's also a breast cancer previvor. I think I'm saying that right, which is someone who's a survivor um, of a predisposition to cancer which resulted in a double mastectomy. And she's one of the most inspiring women that I've ever met. And she's young, which makes me so, I'm like, how can you be this inspiring and so young? Like you should have a few more years on the belt. So we have Leslie. Welcome, Leslie. Guys, Tamman, what an intro. Can I, can you just yeah. follow me around everywhere? <laughs> Please. I can. I can just be your little microphone being like, and here she is. She is one of the most inspiring women that I've ever met. The best hype woman ever. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Your road has been an amazing, um, incredible journey, and we want to talk about it today on our show and we have some questions and we just want to shoot the shit with you. Let's yeah. do it. Let's shoot the Let's shit. Let's do it. My, so, my fellow Leo. 
Tamman mentioned in the intro that you are currently pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So we talk a lot about pregnancy and motherhood on the show because Tamman and I are both moms with kids and, you know, all the good things. So, you know, we often talk about, you know, especially with our um, guests, like their road to pregnancy and like the journey to motherhood. So I was wondering um, for your road to pregnancy, was it easy? Was it like an easy journey and easy? road for you and um how have you felt this pregnancy are you feeling good like tell us all about it yeah I um I where to even begin the the journey was a surprising journey <laughs> it was uh, uh oopsie it, an oopsie journey yeah it was a, I had that too <laughs> Roxy knows all about yes. the oopsie journeys <laughs> yeah it was a very unforeseen journey until I took the pregnancy test but at the, with that being said, we weren't not trying. So, right. I, I mean, the pandemic is, it'll just give you what it gives you. And mm-hmm. I were thrilled. So long story short, we got engaged pre-pandemic. So we got wow. engaged back at the beginning of February and uh, started planning a wedding. And then we stopped planning a wedding because, <laughs> because the Australian borders were closed. The, yeah. The world closed. Uh, and, and so then we began doing anything other than what we're used to, which is travel. I mean, I've never spent so much time at home and, uh, this take this as proof that mom and dad did stay home, I guess, during the <laughs> pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, yeah. So, I like most, like all women do when they get pregnant, um, they miss a period mm-hmm. and I did that. And so I, I'm very in tune with my body. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I know exactly when this is coming and it, it came, the time came and went. And so the very next day I was like, I should probably go buy a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And I think I just wanted, I delayed it another day. And so then the next day, Sunday, Went to Wait, start. you delayed your pregnancy test by a day? Sure we are did. not alike. <laughs> I sure did. I sure did because I, I think I, I, I subconsciously knew what it was going to say. Like I totally, oh gosh, be positive. Very excited for that. However, I think I wanted to just delay that change. I mean, that's such a, a void. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Such a massive change in every way, and I think I wanted to live kind of in my old mind, old body for a few more moments of, of peace and stillness. So mm-hmm. cut to the next day. I'm like, okay, I know this, what this is going to say, but let, let's just do this. And so about the pregnancy test, it's Sunday night. I go into the bathroom. I don't even tell my fiance about the pregnancy <gasps> test. <laughs> oh my gosh. Knowing, knowing full and well that he would be so thrilled. So anyway, I take the pregnancy test and lay it on the, on the bathroom sink and get immediately get in the bathtub and don't even look at the results. And oh my gosh. I take this bath. It was like, I'll never forget this bath. Cause it was just so, it was calming yet very, um, very anxiety. <laughs> it's like the last bath, like before <laughs> the last bath. And it's short and sweet because I, I know, I know I need to get out and look at this thing. So I do just that. And it's, it's like an out-of-body experience, right? Of when course. Pregnancy test, and it has this big plus sign on it. And uh, I just stare at myself in the mirror at that point, and I'm like, it was, it's just a life-changing moment I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't keep it in within my own body anymore, and I literally opened the door, walk out to the living room. Alex, my fiance, is sitting on the couch, and all I could say was, um, we're pregnant. And it was just like, it's just like I I stunned Gundam. I mean, so yeah. it's like, he's just there and he's, all he can muster up is like, oh my gosh, really? Wow. Wow. No way. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Really? Wow. And I'm like, yeah, really? And then the, I think the funniest part about this is it's late on a Sunday. So we start getting ready for bed. He's, he's in bed and I'm brushing my teeth and I can hear him like almost kind of hyperventilating in the bedroom, (laughs) taking really deep breaths. And I'm just like, what is happening in there? And so I go back in and right as I get in bed, he jumps up, goes into the bathroom and vomits. (gasps) 
Oh, oh. <laughs> I, oh, it's like not you vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the sick one, right? Um, oh was, my gosh, so it really affected him. Uh, yeah, in a, in a massive way. I mean, he was so, in, not to say he's not excited because of the vomit, but I think <laughs> it just took a while for him to actually process it all. And, and yeah, the physiological, I guess, response was vomit. I, yeah. it, was, it was bizarre. And, when, and, I, when I got pregnant the second time, I threw the test at my husband's head. And, and this is how I did it. I went, I told you! I fucking told you! That is how I announced my pregnancy to him. Oh my I was God. like, okay. I fucking told you that I was fucking pregnant. The drama. The guy was like, okay. It's so funny like how we related to them. And their reactions are so priceless. So for me... I actually went to dinner with some girlfriends. I started telling them my symptoms and they're like, you need to take a pregnancy test. I was like, are you sure? So we ended up going to my girlfriend's house. I peed on the stick right there with like my four girlfriends in the bathroom. And we all just started screaming. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, you guys. I'm like, like you do for me. Like- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So then we wrapped the pregnancy test up and I gave it to my, my husband had been out with some friends that night. So in the morning when he woke up, I was was like here I've got a present for you and he opened it and he literally his reaction he was like it, it took him a minute to like process it and he was like uh, it was like every emotion under the sun like he was a little bit like shocked but then he was like kind of laughing like nervously and then was like whoa like shit like this is happening like how do you guys wait I don't understand both of you I don't yeah. my husband's literally like holding the stick as I pee onto it and watching the line with me as the thing goes up I mean we are so freaking anxious people and like such control freaks he's like in in the place buying the test i even peed on one in the car once i was like so needing to know if i was pregnant that i peed into a cup in the car guys while he was driving and then i couldn't get enough pee in the cup so i literally put the test in my vagina (laughs) more pee on the test i was like oh because it's so expensive they're so expensive yeah they're not cheap and and if it doesn't work you're like i've just wasted twenty two dollars on a pee test that doesn't work. So I had it in my vagina going, come on, more drips come out, please. Was this one a negative or a positive? That was, again, I've peed on so many sick <laughs> But to be fair, I have been pregnant. We've had lots of miscarriages. I've been pregnant a lot of times. Like I've been over a handful of times I've been pregnant. Um, so, but I have peed on, I've kept, I've kept them in business. I tell Loxy this all the time. Like, what, what is it? Plan, plan, whatever it is. Oh, EPT or whatever? EPT, yeah. it's not even an ad, but it's should be they should totally sponsor sponsor her (laughs) yeah they'll make you like sexy times kits like send them to you they're like it's time tan then we need another (laughs) i don't know i think you girls have got a lot of self-control which is something i obviously need to no you know what it is tam it's avoidance i think it's avoidance like i think we were both like yeah i agree yeah that's a good that's a good word for it I don't know. I think kids, you know, I, I was looking at your stories uh-huh. yesterday, I think it was, and you were like, oh, I'm so tired. And I thought, well, just oh, wait. Just made me- no, no, no. I actually, I actually didn't think that is because that's such a judgy thing for moms to think. Although I have thought that, um, but no, not with you, but in general, but I looked at your stories and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't you and Roxy remember that stage when you're first pregnant and you haven't, you haven't had the baby. And it's just so much unknown and anticipation and excitement and And fear so much nausea it's just so much stuff you know and i just looked at your pretty face and like you have the pregnancy like skin or you know i i I don't know maybe it's a filter but it looks great it looks amazing and your husband is so on it with you he like wants to take care of you and like bring you food right yeah Yeah. that'll change exactly (laughs) tell me my future yeah Yeah. but in um in in response to your question, Roxy, I ha- I totally missed the morning sickness. Like, I feel you did. Oh my god, not fair. The not one time fair. I almost threw up was when he was making a salmon it, during my first trimester. Oh, yeah. and like, oh, no one wants the salmon in the first trimester. Salmon. <laughs> we got to get out of the house. This is bad. This is bad. Uh, yeah, abort, no abort. Go. yeah. <laughs> but the fatigue is real. Oh. And uh, especially in the first trimester, but even in the second, everybody's like, oh, your energy's going to come back. 
it, I'm still waiting for that. Okay. So it still hasn't come back because mine did what, like after that 14th week, I felt like, you know, like a new woman, right. When you cross that stage. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's right after lunch. And I don't know if this is just like getting into middle age or what, but it's <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> if it's pregnancy or middle age, but right after lunch, I mean, there is this massive crash and I, yeah, it feels like the first trimester all over again. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just grateful that I haven't had, uh, been nauseous. Oh, I used to make myself vomit because I was like, okay, even saying it makes me want to vomit. I make myself vomit because I would be so like, I wanted to throw up so much, but I couldn't like, I just yeah. couldn't. And then I thought, well, this will help. Like if I make myself throw up, I'll feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And it just, didn't. It doesn't come out though, right? It doesn't go away. Yes, but it's yes. like, even if you vomit, it just doesn't like mm-hmm. for people who really suffer morning sickness in those first few months. And you're so lucky. It's just constant food poisoning. That's what it yeah. feels like, but it not does. actually vomiting. It's just like, you're constantly that's dry heaving. Food poisoning. Yeah, because it's dry heaving, you know, that's what's worse because there's no release at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how about this? My ninth month, I actually got food poisoning Oh gosh. And I was doubled over at the toilet calling my doctor. I'm like, please, please just give me something. I don't know. She's like, I can't give you anything. And I'm literally cradling the toilet. And I was just in tears screaming at my husband. He comes home and he's like, <laughs> why does like, this make what? me laugh? I'm like, why does this make me I'm not happy? But I'm like, I just think this is a funny sight. Yeah. You think, cause you know, David and I so well, like you can even picture this. Like I'm literally like cramped over by the toilet. He's like, what do you want me to do? And I'm just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> hey, but that is, fr- that is misery on a stick right there is being, having food poisoning in your ninth month of pregnancy. You're huge. You're swollen. You know, you feel like shit already. It's like, yeah, that's, that's rough. But also you bring up a good point. Why do we still constantly say nine months? It's right. 10 months. It's, it's 10, 10 months. months. It's 10 months. Like, I just want to shout it from the rooftop. Don't shortchange us. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is 40 weeks. Yes. 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 We just stayed for a long time. But it's, it's also, it's still hard to process. Even going, even in my 21st week, it's hard to process being newly pregnant and not having, with this being my first child, I don't know if it'll actually hit me until she's in my arms. But you guys, mm-hmm. you guys tell me, I don't know. I, I just find it really hard to grasp, grasp still. My second baby, because I'd had so many miscarriages between them, I did not connect to her at all. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I know there's a baby inside me and it's kicking. And but because I was so afraid to lose her, I did not want to fall in love. Mm-hmm. And the minute it's, it's weird because mm-hmm. I fell in love with Phoenix straight away in my stomach. I was so connected to her. When she came out, I felt more connected. The second one though. So I was really worried. And I would talk to a therapist and just be like, am I not going to love my child? Like, am I not connected to this? Like what, what, like, cause I love Phoenix so much. And I even put on like my socials and like would ask a therapist, I'd be like, can you love a second child? Like you love your first. Cause you, you, you just, you just would die for them You'd walk in front of a bus. And then the minute they put her on my chest, it's almost like I got a double rush of love because I was disconnected from her. I was like, oh my God, she's safe. She's alive. She's here. And for the hospital, I was in the hospital because I had a C-section. I was in the hospital for a good four or five days. I just stared at her. Like I was like, just <laughs> stared and licked her and bit her and <laughs> smelt her. And like, I was just like, I wouldn't wash her for four days. You're supposed to for not a couple days because it's like good for their skin. But I would just like, it was it was mesmerizing. And I think it was because I didn't want to feel anything. That's, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I think for me, I like fought my, cause we talked we had a guest on last week and we were talking about birth stories and I, uh, like I didn't want to have a C-section. I ended up having to have one because she was breech. So it was like a scheduled C-section. So I sort of was like protesting it. Like I was late to my C-section. I got there late. Like I I was, have this baby come out. This baby's going to stay in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I literally was like, I am so uh, like not down with this like C-section plan. So I, you know, it was late and everything, but then like Tamman was saying, like once like the baby came out and and I had her like, you know, embraced her and like nestled. It was like it immediately kicked in. It was like that mothering like instinct that you just want to like cradle them and protect them and like hold on, you know, and like not let go, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Could have been the drugs too, though. <laughs> For sure. That's what I, and I, I'm going into, people are already like, so yeah. what's your birth, what's your birth plan? And I'm like, uh, going to go to the hospital. And uh, that's all. I don't really want to go in with, you know, these high expectations and with this plan in mind, because I've heard time and time again that mm-hmm. more often than not, it is going to go the complete opposite of what mm-hmm. you think is going to happen in your mind. So, and that's how I like to kind of live my life anyway. Like even in my travels, I don't have a, the strict itinerary, the set itinerary that I have to stick to. I like, um, or, or research, you know, a place to death. So I, I think I'm going to go into the birth with, with that same kind of perspective. It's a yeah. wonderful thing to do because I feel like when you have such a, a strong opinion on how you're going to birth your child, and we just talked about this in our last episode with Dr. Berlin, you feel like an utter failure because you have you feel like you didn't have control over the situation and because it didn't go as planned, then you're at fault. And there's an an incredibly, an incredible amount of shame and guilt that goes with that when you're so steadfast on like one, one road and you can't deviate from that. And what happens is, yeah, like a lot of us, like we, we have spent years like you know, feeling like we birthed our babies in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But he was just saying that the C-section, that has to be part of your birth plan as well. That has to be, even if it's the last part of your birth plan and your first plan is an unmedicated home birth, your last part of your birth plan has to be a C-section because mm-hmm. that is a, cho- a choice that you might have to make. And if it's not on your birth plan, then you spend a lot of your time, if not your whole life, regretting, you know, the way you did birth your child. Mm, I like that. I, I also don't know if I feel like my perspective may be um, erring on the side of just ignorance of not doing enough, uh, you know, I don't know, research. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's kind of like that's kind of how I like to live my life. And I, you guys had just moved into a new house, too. And this bathtub screams. Yeah. It screams. Burden me. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, you mentioned um, your business a little bit. Um, I want to get into that because I think it's so interesting. You've literally traveled like all over the world. You're, you've got all of this amazing um, travel experience and everything, but we are in quarantine. So how has that affected your job and like also like connecting with people? I, I uh, greatly, greatly. Uh, and I feel like the word of the year is pivot. <laughs> uh, and it has been challenging in so many ways uh, from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint. And I'm, I know I'm not alone in that, but it's a shit year to be in the travel industry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody from hotels to airlines are on their knees, um, and travel bloggers alike. <laughs> so I have done everything away from travel, which is, um, nothing I, I knew in the beginning, like I, I, in the beginning of quarantine, I just didn't feel right to even write about past travels or think about future travels, uh, and go down that wanderlust path. It felt wrong. So in the beginning of quarantine, I was doing everything else, like interior design, gardening recipes, the things I've never truly focused on, which was a fun challenge in a sense, but it also brought in so much, doubt and insecurities too, because I was like, is this, is this me? Like, does my audience even want this? Do they even like this? And so I was questioning everything I put out in the beginning, which, uh, didn't bode well for mental health. That's, Mm. that's for damn sure. Again, I know I'm not alone in that, but for my business, uh, that's kind of what it looks like for Mm. months on end until, and then I think you just kind of have to ask people. And that's exactly what I did ask the audience, poll the audience. What do you guys like? What do you guys want to see? And the response was overwhelming, almost to an embarrassing degree of, we like the lifestyle content more so than strict travel, because it's, I I guess it's a a little bit more relatable and it speaks to more people Mm -hmm. than just that strict travel content. Uh, so it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Like there are, you know, some silver linings in all of this and growth and creation and all of this. And also I went live every day for a month teaching yoga. And then 
every once a week for three months teaching yoga. And so it just, it, it brings about, I think this creativity, if you let it, Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, and, and since then I've built a yoga subscription service mm-hmm. called limitless movement, um, kind of as a cousin to limitless travel. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because I don't think I would ever have carved out the time in my travels or in my life and in, uh, as a family next year for this, this platform. But now I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And it's just, um, another business arm that doesn't really feel like a business arm because mm-hmm. it's, it's just my, I'm just sharing my yoga practice. So yeah, it's been a hell of a year, but I think you have to focus on the silver linings and I think you have to pivot or this year will just eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've never been through anything like this and we just have to give ourselves grace. Um, yeah. you know, because it's funny. We came up here in Montana and like my expectation is every day to be amazing because I'm with my kids and my husband and we're away from Los Angeles. So it should be like all kumbaya. And there's been really difficult moments. And like Mm -hmm. people sometimes, you know, you want to share that on social, but sometimes you're like, ah, you just don't want to be a bag of whinging, you know, (laughs) a bag of whinge. Um, Because like sometimes people just don't relate to that, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's not, it's not always, it's not always rainbows. Um, And talking about not always being rainbows, what we introed you in the beginning is a pre-viver. So that's a a term that was first coined by, I think it was the organization called Force, which is facing our risk of cancer empowered. Um, They describe a person who is a survivor of a predisposition to cancer, meaning they have a high risk of developing um, a specific type of cancer, but they have not been diagnosed yet. So tell us your breast cancer story that ultimately led you to removing both of your breasts, because I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision. And um, when I say that you're, I admire you so much, I, I thought about what you would have had to have gone through to have made that decision. And I don't know if I would have been strong enough to, mm-hmm. you know? So tell, yeah. tell us a bit about your story. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, each uh, person walks a different path and it should be respected. Um, there's so many different paths when you are a provider or are diagnosed with cancer. And this month is a special month. It's breast cancer awareness month, but I definitely like to shed light on it throughout all 365 days of the year because it is so important and it's taken so many lives too soon. Even though I think we've made a lot of progress with treatment and everything. Um, But for me, it all started when I will never forget, I was living in Argentina at the time. It was 2014 and I was in my apartment and I got a call from both of my parents. You know, when they're both on the line, it's not, yeah. mm-hmm. it's not good. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad said it first and he said, your mom has breast cancer. And um, just like taking, I'm taking myself back to that moment. And it is, it is just devastating because you are scared shitless um, that you're going to lose a parent. <laughs> and um, sorry. No. And uh and I, I feel so, so damn lucky because she's thriving today and, um, she's doing so well, but at that, in that moment, you, you have no idea. And, uh, and so then that led to my two sisters and I to get tested for that same gene that gave her cancer, that same gene mutation that gave her cancer. And it's just funny how the dice, how it, how it falls. My older sister tested positive. I tested positive and my younger sister tested negative and we all kind of walked different paths. My older sister had her family first and just three months ago had her preventative double mastectomy. Whereas I, 40 days after finding out I was positive for the gene, was on an OR table, um, getting my, my breasts taken off. Uh, and it's so emotional to lose a body part that you, that has grown with you for you know, 20 something years at the time I was 29 and it's, it's unlike anything else I've ever been through, but it was so beautiful and it broke me open in so many ways. Um, and, and especially with social media too, I've never found so much joy in social media than sharing this experience because I knew I wasn't going to be able to share travel because I wasn't going to, to travel. So I was like, my mindset was, well, 
I'm going to be better in for at least four to five weeks, if not more. Might as well share the story if it helps one person, then great. I've done my job. But it was the most beautiful symbiotic relationship is how I like to describe it because these complete strangers helped me heal uh, in ways I can't even describe just virtually. And, and I think vice versa, um, with me continuing to share my story, but I just go back to 2017, uh, the night before. And it's, it's kind it's just emotionally and mentally draining. And for people, for women, especially who are really attached to their breasts mm-hmm. and love their breasts, it is like a death. It's, It's like you have to grieve this body part that's taken off of you too. And for me, I've always had extremely small B boobs. I mean, (laughs) right here. (laughs) I I never really paid a lot of attention to them. Uh, My hips from the get-go were like massive. And my mom's always called them baby making hips, which is perfect for now. So (laughs) those are always the center of attention for me of like, she she had to find like elastic waistband jeans growing up, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I, I I think I missed, um, that whole grieving situation because I was never super attached to my breasts and my whole silver lining in the whole thing. I mean, I truly think you always have to look for that. And I'm an optimist. So like pandemic, what's the silver lining? Okay. Double mastectomy. What's the silver lining? And I talked to my plastic surgeon and he was just like, okay, what's, what, what do you, what are you thinking? Do you want reconstructive surgery? You know, how big or small do you want to go? And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go a little bigger. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it, I mean, why, why not? If I have to get my breast taken off, um, let's, let's try a whole new body type. Which you is, got a triple D. <laughs> oh, I got a 34 C and it's, it was like a whole new world. It's, it's, it's a whole new way of dressing. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was, it was wild, but, but going back to that double mastectomy, I mean, you can, so many people choose various routes. They can choose uh, preventative surgery. They can choose surveillance and going to doctor's appointments you know, every few months, which didn't work for my schedule at the time, you know, being all over the world all the time. Um, so I knew I wanted to do this. And, and a lot of people ask me that they're like, why, why double mastectomy? Why, why not, you know, surveillance and going to get MRIs and ultrasounds and mammograms every six months. Um, but that's why I just, I don't want that anxiety always in the back of my head is like, is today the day that gene is going to get turned on? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I haven't looked back. I think it was a damn good decision, but every woman walks her own path. So do you think, um, by, you know, having this change and doing the double mastectomy because you, um, you know, you didn't have your breasts, did it make you connect with your femininity in a different way? Mm, Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I've never been, I've never been so in tune with my body. Mm. Um, and like I said, never really paid attention to my boobs. And now mm. that's the complete opposite, even though they're foobs, fake boobs, completely. <laughs> in foobs, every, I like it. <laughs> in, in every sense of the word, I am so connected to them more so than my real boobs when I, they actually had tissue and, um, uh, mammary glands and everything. Um, mm. and I won't, I won't speaking of, I won't be able to breastfeed, um, mm. which is something I think I'll miss when the time comes, mm-hmm. but I've also watched my older sister do it. Uh, it looks, it looks painful as hell, but I, it's I do hard. Think yeah, it's it, really it looks hard. hard. It looks hard. And I admire the women who do do it. And I think I will miss it when the time comes, but I know formula fed babies mm-hmm. are, you know, grow up to be just as great. Yes. And the thing is that you know that you can't breastfeed. I think what's harder for the woman is when you want to so badly and you're like, well, what's wrong with my, my breasts or my body? I can't breastfeed. Like what a failure I am. I mean, I tried with both my kids. I made it for three months. I did everything, like everything to the point of like, I was like, I'm going to have to stop for my mental health or I'm going to actually lose the plot. Um, Mm. But at least, you know, like, I think you have control over that knowing, okay, this is, this is the path that I'm going to take. And this is, um, what I'm going to do. So when you mention the gene, because Roxy and I aren't as aware of what that's, can you explain what that gene means? Cause I know that, you know, um, 
uh, Angelina Jolie brought such a light to because mm-hmm. she got she got a double mastectomy too, didn't she? And a hysterectomy okay. too. Yeah. 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 So so what exactly is this gene? What does it mean uh, for people that do have it? And what is like the probability of developing cancer mm-hmm. when you find out that you have that gene? Yeah. Good question. So uh, the two most um, the two genes that are, are most tested for for, BRCA, for breast cancer are BRCA1 gene and the BRCA2 gene mutation. And they are similar, but they have differences. For example, I think if you have the BRCA1 gene mutation, you have a slightly higher risk of getting breast cancer by the age of 70. I think it's 80%. Um, mm-hmm. And then for BRCA2, like myself, I believe I have a 70% chance of getting breast cancer by the age of 70 um, and, and so there's slight differences. Um, and, but now, I mean, there are so many other genes that could be, that could give you cancer. And so, for example, my mom was tested for an entire panel that we know of, and her panel came back with a BRCA2 gene mutation. And so that's why my two sisters and I were only tested for the BRCA2 gene mutation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think we're only getting further and further along with that kind of technology and genetics, um, which is amazing. And, and, but at the same time, you can get my, I'll never forget it. I walked into my genetic counselor the very first time I, uh, I got tested for this gene. And, and she was like, you can get breast cancer for, from one of three ways, genetically, from the environment, or from bad luck. And so I, I really look at my younger sister who tested negative for this one gene mutation that she was tested for, but that doesn't mean a lot. I mean, she could be the one who is uh, diagnosed one day with breast cancer from the environment, from bad luck, from another gene we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we have come a long way with genetic testing, um, but I don't, I don't know if it'll ever stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a lot to learn. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know any of this until my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it's interesting because her father gave her the gene. And that's a big misconception. A lot of people think just women can carry this gene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her father gave her that gene mutation. And, and then she passed it down to all of us. And, and I know she carries so much guilt for that, um, which is going to be interesting. I, I'm, I am anxious to know if my baby girl you know, carries this gene mutation as well. But I tell her time and time again, because I'll never forget it. When I called her to tell her that I was positive, mm-hmm. she, I mean, just immediate tears, just so much mm-hmm. guilt. Um, but I, flip, I like to flip it on its head because had I not known this, had it not been for her, I would have never, I, I may never know. And I could get, you know, breast cancer next year, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So I think knowledge is truly power. And because we knew from her, you know, I can do something about it. My older sister can do something about it. And it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. So what advice would you give to somebody who might be at a higher risk for cancer or even somebody who is newly diagnosed? Mm, that's a good question. Mm. Um, newly diagnosed, I think the best thing you could have is a good, strong support system. Mm-hmm. Um that helped me in so many ways from, you know, close family to complete strangers on the internet. And there are beautiful people. There's a beautiful community online that you can talk to and share your story. And I truly think sharing, uh, brings you to, you know, brings us together like nothing else. I think human suffering is something everybody's felt. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way that can, that connects us all. It humanizes us all. Um, and for other people, I get asked that so many times. They're like, how do I even get started? Mm. Maybe, maybe they were adopted, so they don't know their family history. Or maybe they, you know, they have an aunt who had breast cancer or, um, you know, somebody on, on down the line who had breast cancer. If you have any family history, I think the perfect way to start is seeing a genetic counselor, but that may not be available in your immediate area. So, Talk to your um, gynecologist. Mm-hmm. Also, myriad.com it has a plethora of resources. I will never forget getting my results, first of all, on, from a phone call, but also in the mail. And I got it from 
Myriad Genetics, Myriad Oncology, who I will never forget it had in big red bold letters at the top, you know, you're positive for this gene mutation, but their website for anybody who wants immediate information, Mm -hmm. their website, myriad.com, M-Y-R-A-I-D has so much information. Um, You can even go look at your risk score yourself. So Mm -hmm. for 10% of the population, about 10%, there, it's known that that's the genetic, those are the people who have genetic predispositions, but the other 90% uh, isn't genetically predisposed. Mm-hmm. It could be the environment, bad luck, whatever it may be. And so you can go get your risk score right then and there from Myriad's website. If you want to get tested, they can also send you an at-home test, which is amazing because even if you're not covered by insurance, mm-hmm. this test is somewhere around the $150 mark. So it's... Mm-hmm. It's pretty affordable, uh, and it's it's amazing what 2020 has brought us in terms of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, is this gene only something, and forgive me if this is ignorant, only in women, or can men have it too? Men can definitely carry it. Yeah, mm-hmm. can definitely. And it, it just... Um, it materializes in different ways too. Mm-hmm. And, and for example, my grandfather passed down that gene mutation from to my mom, but it materialized in him in throat cancer and head oh and neck gosh. Mm-hmm. So that's what he passed away from. So uh, 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 other men, um, I think it materializes into pan- pancreatic cancer, oh my gosh. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So it just, it looks different. It can look different mm-hmm. in men, but that's a massive misconception. Um, and it's funny because I put on my blog, a, a pregnancy, a big pregnancy blog full of frequently asked questions before I announced the gender. Mm-hmm. And I talked about my BRCA gene mutation and how I was anxious to see if my baby carried that gene mutation. And so many people were like, oh, it's a girl, it's a girl, because you basically just gave it away. But that's, that is not the case. I mean, that mm-hmm. is men and women alike can carry the gene. Well, I think people also don't realize that men can get breast cancer also. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely something that men should be, um, you know, aware of as well. Yeah. It can materialize as breast cancer or another form of cancer in men for sure. Yes. And everyone should feel their boobies, especially this month. I mean, they should do it all the time. I like to feel your boobies, Roxy. I like to feel your boobies. On a Saturday night, feel your boobies. How are you going to feel them if you're all the way in Montana? I know. That's why I have to come back just so I can feel your boobies. I love you brought that up. Right. It's all about feeling your boobies because I mean, you should do it all the time anyway, but particularly this month is breast cancer awareness month. So yes. Okay. So, so what are you feeling for? Because for me, I'm like, well, you know, especially when I was breastfeeding, I said to Sean, I was like, I think these are lumps in my breast. And he's like, they're just hardened milk because you do get that like mastitis. Um, I, I didn't think about my breasts as much as I did when I was breastfeeding and I was touching them and I was looking at them and I, Mm -hmm. it was lumps. And then, you know, that, that was obviously milk that you had to like massage out through the nipple, but what are you exactly looking for? When it's it comes such a good question. It's such I have question. no idea. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, cause uh, there's even this hashtag, like feel it on the first, which is feel yourself up on the first of every month, just as like a good reminder of when to do it once a month, mm-hmm. but you can do it whenever. I mean, all day, every day, don't be afraid to feel yourself up. But <laughs> I think a lot of people are just like, how do I even go about this? So I feel like, I don't know how graphic I want to get, but oh, I mean, we've go for it. We've had someone lawyer. take their clothes off on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you have to really, I mean, start at the, start at the top with two fingers and it's, you, you go pretty deep. I mean, especially if you have brins, dense breasts, which yes. a lot of women do. do. Yeah. yeah. So you got to really put the pressure on. And I like to start at the top and just, you kind of, you kind of have to walk your fingers too, or you'll miss it. If you kind of pick your fingers up and go to another spot. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to walk your fingers and I go into a circular motion all the way around the breast circling to the nipple. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling for any kind of lumps and bumps. And, and if you feel anything that's suspicious, you kind of just like move in on it, see if you can see the outline of it. But I think more the, the important takeaway here is to know your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, to do that frequently every month, every week, whatever it may be, and talk to your doctor because it could be, you know, that you are breastfeeding. And that's where a lot of women get confused because they're like, is this a lump? Is this just hardened milk? What, what is this? 
And so if you're, if it really is, you know, and it, it makes you anxious, go see your doctor. Yes. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, talk to your doctor, know your body. Yes, it's so important. I think ladies out there, um, and men too, you know, if you do feel something out of place, go see your doctor because it's better safe. Yep, yeah, don't avoid it. It's better safe than sorry. I know a lot of people get scared because they think, you know, their mind obviously like jumps to the worst possible case scenario, but it's like it's better to know and to act and do something than to not know and let things go, you know? Absolutely. Especially now when so many people are avoiding avoiding the hospital because of this pandemic, which I understand, but I mean, mask up and go get a mammogram mask up and go see your doctor because that is so important. Mammograms are down 87% in this pandemic, which I mean, I can't even imagine the effects this is going to have on undiagnosed cases. Uh, And it's so, yeah. So please, please, please go put your mask on. It's funny because you, you know, like you were saying about avoidance when it came to your baby, I feel like, you know, what you were saying just in general, when it comes to anything medical, I mean, I know even if I have a sore tooth, I wait, like I waited a year to get a filling. Isn't that insane? (gasps) Yeah. Because I just, I, I was just so not wanting to know, like I've had a, I've had one, um, root canal on my tooth Mm. and it was so painful and it took weeks for me to like feel better. So it's that avoidance thing. It's the, but if you, if you, if you avoid, you make things worse and then you make things worse and you might never come back from that. So it's like, we all need to realize that avoiding doesn't fix the situation. It actually just makes the situation much worse. If you leave for certain, for especially certain medical, um, issues. Yes. We need to get, you need to get in there, get seen by your doctor. My husband gets so annoyed with me because he thinks I'm like in a doctor's office. Like every, I, know, I am like, literally I'll have like a cut and I'm like, Oh God. I think too, my, my dad is an oncologist. So I think like growing up around that, like we always had family talks about health at the dinner table. And you know, it's always like, he's like, go get seen. If you feel like anything, so my husband just gets so annoyed with me because he is like literally our health insurance is like going through the like well, you need to just chill out i think that's i think that's awesome but for those who just avoid it yeah. and are so scared by it that's why i that is why i will always be an advocate and share 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 because i love nothing more than getting emails or dms being like because of you, I went to get tested because of you, I got this surgery and it is just, it goes all over me. Like it brings me to tears. It's the best thing. It's saving lives. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought like even this podcast, if just one person goes and gets checked and you've saved one person's life, then you're doing, yeah. then you're doing the right thing. I mean, we all know somebody who has been affected by this disease. It is so prevalent. And so I thank y'all for even like touching on it. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we don't have that much time. So we have to talk about now that we've talked about something that's so important. We have to talk about things that are so unimportant. <laughs> like, like, I didn't even know Roxy last night texted me and she was like, do you know she was on The Bachelor? Because Roxy loves The Bachelor. And I was like, no, I didn't because I've never seen an episode before. And she's like, no, we must ask her about this because it's like my favorite show. Balance. Life is about balance. We got to talk about the important stuff and then the bachelor for sure. I mean, we have to cover all bases. Wait, so you, okay. But people might not know you are a Guinness book of world records holder for the longest on-screen kiss with bachelor Sean Lowe. Put it on the resume. How long was it? Yeah. How long was it? Tell us. I think it was, it ended up being just over four minutes. I want to say, but how do you breathe when you're kissing somebody that long? (laughs) (laughs) Breathe with your nose, Roxy. But put a mask over your nose. But then you're in a full face sweat and it's not, it's not a good look for anybody. And what's, what's terrible is that to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for world's <laughs> longest on-screen kiss, your lips cannot separate. And so I think in the beginning, we were trying to, you know, make it sexy and flirty and fun. And the make in a make-out, your lips separate. So we had to start all over. And, and by this point, we're just like full body sweat. Our faces are sweating. There's a crowd on Hollywood Boulevard. We're like... Why my parents are gonna see this? Um, my dress is riding up my ass, and I there there's a camera right there. But 
I, you know what? I think this is back in 20, this is back in 2012. Okay. And now I think it was, ba- I want to say it was Bachelor Australia who broke our record and like, who knows who. Of course we did. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. So, okay. You have to rate the kiss. How was Sean Lowe as a kisser? Uh, it must have been four for, minutes. It must have been pretty yeah, good for that. For that kiss, it was like in, in the negatives because all we could do was this. Oh. I'm really confused because I don't watch The Bachelors. I'm really confused. So you knew that there was a Guinness Guinness Book of Records, no. and you wanted to beat it. Like I don't no. understand. So you're going no. okay. So we have to beat four minutes. So everyone, like I don't get how this. No, works. I'll take you. I'll take you through the day. So we okay. are all corralled down to the living room by Chris Harrison, who is like, oh, there's a date card, and we're like, oh my god, oh my god, who's gonna get it? And somebody reads off the date card, and it has my name on it, and it says something. There's like some cute little pun, like I don't something about breaking records. And I'm like, oh, what could it be? So I get dressed. I get in, we get in this limo and we're heading from Agora Hills where the Bachelor Mansion is all the way to Hollywood Boulevard and and get out in front of the jank Guinness Book of World Records. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we go inside and it's just, you know, one of those museums where you're just like, I can't believe they kind of, you know, they kind of spent money on this. Like why I also can't believe this is a bachelor date, but yay, here we are. Um, you know, put a smile on, like just at that point, just excited to be with him because you get no time. You get no time with him. Really. You got four and a half minutes yeah. on really yeah. good time. <laughs> Lucky me. You and, made it work. <laughs> but at this point, we're going, we're walking around the museum and we're looking at, you know, all the records. And I still, we still have no idea what's happening. I'm sure he does uh, from production. But so we get to this curtain and, you know, Chris Harrison comes out and he's like, okay, now for the big, you know, finale, you will be setting the world record for World's Youngest Sunscreen Kiss. And, I'm just like, shit, my dad's going to see this. And yeah. that's, that's fine. And, and then, and then we go for it right there. And there's this like legit guy from Guinness Book of World Records with a plaque and everything. Oh my <laughs> and yeah, and then we, we, we make it happen. And then we have dinner that night on the rooftop of the Roosevelt hotel. Mm, okay. Magic. And then my best friend from the show, uh, wins is proposed to and then i am a bridesmaid in their wedding <laughs> and yeah it's not awkward it's not awkward. Was it? i know it's good to say how awkward was that <laughs> it's it's really not like at this point it feels like ancient history honestly yeah. honestly and they're so happy i mean he is still to this day is the only bachelor uh who is still with his first pick his first draft pick Oh, so he's also breaking a record. And they have three kids and they're beautiful. Like the best, the best, the coolest family ever. So it, it all worked out exactly. Yeah. As it should have. So are you watching this season of The Bachelorette with Claire? And so you're like with Claire? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You might as well just say, are you eating an English muffin with Tammy. What are you thinking about? Th- what are you thinking about this season? Well, Claire and I were on Bachelor Winter Games together. And- okay a couple of years ago. And so we got to become good friends then. Um, and I love Claire and I, mm-hmm. I think she is fierce. Y'all, she is like fucking fierce and it's great. And I love her because she's 39 and hasn't settled. And I mm-hmm. think she is such a great role model for women out there who are like, should I settle? I'm getting older. Do I not? Do I just wait and put myself out there for the right person? Mm. And I think, I think she's a great role model for that, but I know she kept, she's caught a lot of shit for the past. Mm-hmm. I don't know however long she's been bachelorette now this whole, throughout this whole pandemic. Um, just like anybody does when they put themselves out there as a lead. And I hate that because she's nothing but fierceness, looking for the love of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say like <laughs> this season is definitely different because obviously they're not in the bachelor mansion. They're mm-hmm. in the freaking depths of hell in Palm Springs in <laughs> the summer. And it's, it's just so different. 
but I gotta, I gotta throw it to them, like for actually moving forward, for making it work, for putting these guys in quarantine for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's a little slower, but I mm-hmm. think, I think next week it's going to get all hell is going to break loose. Like it looks, it looks insane <laughs> next week. I don't even know. I got some catching up to do. I know you got to get on your bachelor girl, bachelorette train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before we leave, because we, I yes. know we, we're going to get, get our uh, time's going to run out. We're going to do a really quick travel edition, this or that. If you're into it. Yeah, yeah. let's do yeah. it. <laughs> okay. This or that travel edition. Okay. Right. Okay. Whole row and economy with your fiance or one seat in business and your fiance's in coach. Ooh. <laughs> one seat in business. Y'all come on. Like you're, you're by yourself anyway for a long haul flight. Exactly. Like, yeah, I used yeah. to leave my husband and coach with the kids. I'm not yeah. even kidding. I was bye. like, uh, bye. <laughs> I would I love never that. do that. I would never be in coach with the kids. And I'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. Other way around. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This one is a little bit naughty. Um, sex on the beach or sex in an elevator? Mm. Loving an ele- elevator. I think elevator. <laughs> Y'all, I just can't get on board with all the sand. I know. Like, I don't want, I don't want to play that, that dicey game. And I mean, I don't know, bragging rights in an elevator? That's right. Funny. It's kind of hot. I hate being stuck in things. <laughs> I'd be very upset about being stuck in there. I wonder what the percentage of, of elevators uh, that have hidden cameras are yes i bet they all have them pretty much at the now. I think so too i think a lot of um like security guards uh, have seen quite a bit in their day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then if you stop an elevator can you just open it again like that's the thing that like what if it just like you stop the elevator and then it's just stopped <laughs> but have you ever seen but have you ever seen gray's anatomy like i just this I, is not real life <laughs> this is not just, what happens in real life? I swear you can just press a button and it stops and you can just like make your moment as magical as you want, as long as you want. And that's my fantasy anyway. <laughs> I feel like that's not going to happen. <laughs> You're right. Probably right. Okay. Bad turbulence on a plane or food poisoning. Oh God. Um, um, they're both, they're both terrible. They're both so bad. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with turbulence just because hopefully it's short lived, but like, at the same time, I've I almost, can't. I've almost like grabbed one of those like plastic knives and just like taken myself out because, yes. <laughs> because turbulence for me is that bad. Really? But I, I hate, I hate turbulence. I, mean, I feel too. like you I travel so much that you'd be fine with it. No, absolutely not. I, um, I like my, uh, Ambien. Can't yes. really take that now, but I was a fan of it for a little bit. I, I know, don't judge me. Um, a lot of yeah. people have a lot to say about that. But free. Um, but food poisoning lingers longer than longer than turbulence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Swim with sharks or skydive? Mm. I'm gonna go. I've never swam with sharks. Well, I, I actually no, I have. I have a scuba dive with sharks, but they're like they're so friendly. You kind of just forget about it. They get a bad rap. They do. You know what? We did the same thing on our honeymoon in Tahiti. We swam with the sharks. They could have literally could not have cared less that we yeah, were there. They were like, until they bite your freaking <laughs> arm off. Now, now, as a safeguard, I did push my husband in front just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're friendly unless they're hungry, guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't. No, I've also I've also had a really scary experience while um, skydiving because uh, we, I was doing it for the first time in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and about mm, 800 feet from the ground, our canopy deflated, mm. and because we caught turbulence, and so then we started free falling so close to the ground, and I was like, "Is this supposed to happen?" <laughs> and then about a half a second later, it reinflated and we landed fine and everything. But the, and at the moment, at the time, I mean, that's not normal for it to happen that close to the ground. So oh my God. I don't know. It's they're both. I yeah. Swim, swim with sharks. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I don't know. I would love to think I would skydive one day for that rush, but I went indoor skydiving in Vegas once. It's not that pleasant. Like, I'm like, this is really windy. Like, I, it, like, is hurting my face. Is it, like, is it painful when you, like, fall? Like, do you feel like you're falling? I feel, you kind of feel like your eyelashes are going to fly off. I think the, se- the second time was definitely more enjoyable. Because the first you went time- again? 
Yeah. The first time after you almost died. <laughs> Smart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The first time you're just, you black out. You're like, what is this? I'm going to die. And mm-hmm. the second time you actually take it in and process it and enjoy it a little bit more. Wow. You're brave to do, get back on the horse and do it though. That was a, um, that was a surprise Valentine's day dates where I didn't really have a choice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I do forced. feel I do feel like with motherhood, it's the mm-hmm. same idea. The first yeah. time you kind of just black out, <laughs> you're just like, "What the fuck just happened?" But the second time, I think, is more enjoyable. That's why Roxy, you have to have a second. I know, I know, right? I gotta, I gotta have the 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 number two. <laughs> okay, well, let's do two more, and then we'll let you go. Um, okay, um, four seasons or the six senses. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think the six senses is such uh, a unique, such a unique concept. I mean, yeah. when I was there in, uh, it was Yao Noi in Thailand and they're, they're like barefoot. They have this barefoot policy. You can just roam around. And I just think it's, um, not that four seasons is, is cookie cutter because every place is unique to their destination. But I think the six senses is just like a, a step above in uniqueness Mm-hmm. Um, any neat touches that you're just like, I've, I've never really experienced anything like this. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think six senses. Okay. Bora Bora or Mykonos. Mm-hmm. I have never been to Bora Bora. Oh, always wanted to go. Me too. I, it's, this is where I went for my honeymoon. This is, it's so wonderful. Oh, oh, where did you, can I ask where you stayed? Yes. Um, and I should probably remember this, but it was 15 years ago. <laughs> and you were drinking a lot. I know. It's drinking a lot. I ended up, we got tattoos. <laughs> told you to, yes, because apparently tattoos originated in that area. So we were like, we might as well live like a local and like, go do it. So that's how I have my tramp stamp. <laughs> Amazing. That's a great story. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So actually I have not been to Mykonos, but I am actually dying to go to Mykonos and the Greek islands. It's great. It's, um, it's kind of known as the party Island. Um, it's, but you can make it whatever you want. And it's, I couldn't, last time I was there was this exact time in 2016, mm. couldn't put the camera down because there's just, there is beauty at every freaking turn. Mm. Um, and that's what I, I mean, that's what I love, but also I can put the camera down and like drink till the day is, you know. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. It just the food it hits, too, right? The it food. hits everything. You have the beach, you have architecture, you have mm-hmm. food, you have nightlife. It, it, it's mm. so good. It's so good. One of my favorite places in the world was Cambodia, actually. Oh. I just, I was doing a movie in um, Bangkok for three months and we went to Cambodia and Vietnam and uh, Krabi and I just, I miss Thailand. Ugh. You know, all this stuff is giving me wanderlust and it does make me sad because I realize that it's going to be a while. I don't even think we're going to be back to traveling again in 2021. I think it's going to be a little longer. Someone told me three, someone in the movie business told me it's going to be about three years of this. Um, just because, you know, like, is there a vaccine? Do people take it? Do people not take it? Um, you know, how are we really going to eradicate this? How are we going to control it? How are we going to keep our, uh, our countries safe from people coming in and out? It's just, it's going to be a time. I think we're going to have to buckle up and just, realize it is what it is and it just we can't control it and it's not going to be on our timeline yeah i think um somebody the other day and i can't take credit for it but i really liked their perspective because they were like okay what about the pandemic from 1918 1919 the the bird the bird flu pandemic um and then they were like well what happened afterwards and it was the roaring 20s so that's, I, I'm hopeful that that's coming and mm-hmm. it, we can kind of have the roaring twenties again. Um, but yeah, that's just my optimism peeking through. Let's hope the sun always rises. Sun always rises after it's dark, you know? Mm-hmm. And on that note, Roxy uh, Soxy. I mean, I can't believe our time is over. You were so lovely. I'm going to go back you. to bed. Now <laughs> <laughs> I've had too much coffee. Too bad. I've like been up since three. I'm done. I'm done, guys. I'm You're out. like, and that's the end of my day. We'll <laughs> Don't text me. Don't permission. call me. <laughs> Full permission. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much.
Okay, Leslie, where can everyone keep up with you? Tell them the best place to find you. I'm on Instagram at Leslie Ann Murphy. And my blog is called The Road Less Traveled. Less with one S is in Leslie. Mm, very nice. Amazing. And Yay. we are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Tamman Sarsak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women on Top. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.